1: Welcome to Mind Love, episode 123. Today's episode is all
0: about the Enneagram. One of my deep passions is to see people use the Enneagram for growth and transformation and to change out of coping behaviors, to change out of being stuck in type and really begin to grow in their awareness of self into head, heart, gut, experiences, not just stuck in their type. If it's just to discover your type, So you can use that. I'm a three. So you just have to put up with me the way I am. That's not helpful. (laughs) My husband's a nine. And so one of the most helpful things for us to realize who we are, what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are, and that we have some common language has been so helpful in our marriage.
1: Turn up your frequency with Mind Love
0: brain hacks for seekers dreamers and doers it's
1: time to give your mind a little love with your host
0: melissa monte
1: hi friends and wild people first off if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet please hit the subscribe button more subscribers means even better guests and tons more value Plus, it helps me grow the show so more people can find it. And if you ask me, everyone could use a little more Mind Love okay so after dozens of requests I am finally doing an episode on the Enneagram and I'm so glad it's happening the Enneagram test is definitely the most powerful personality assessment that I've done so far besides an extensive astrology reading those are really insightful also so if you've never played with the Enneagram there are a lot of websites with free Enneagram tests online that I'll link to in the show notes so you can get your own results and I recommend listening to this episode first and then doing the assessment so that your results have have a little more context and you know what to do with them personally I love personality assessments I also love anything that helps me understand myself or other people or the world better so it makes sense but the problem is I usually get all excited about it I take the test get my results Share them with my hubby so I can say, see, this is why I am this way. <laughs> and then I forget all about it until someone brings it up in conversation. I don't usually know what to do with the results. And as much as I love a good profile of myself, I also don't really like being boxed in. So I can find myself trying to prove my results wrong or, or actually I should say prove myself more multidimensional than my results. Well, part of what took me so long to do an episode on the Enneagram was that I didn't want to just go over those nine personality types that it gives you and then be done with it. You can read those for yourself with a quick Google search. I wanted to figure out how knowing all this about yourself could be applicable in your real life. Like how can understanding yourself in this way help you heal and grow and move forward with your goals? So when I found an executive coach who is also an accredited Enneagram professional, I was intrigued. Her name is Teresa McCloy. She's also the host of a podcast called The Enneagram in Your Real Life. Pretty perfect, right? I mean, if she has a whole podcast about the subject, she's got to be accustomed to applying the results to a lot of different scenarios. So there are a few different models people follow when determining their own Enneagram results. She uses what's called the Harmony model. When I took a free test online, it basically just calculated my dominant style, which for me is a 7, and then it gave me my sub-styles based on where I scored the highest. This will make more sense when you do your own test. But the Harmony model is really cool because it chooses your sub-styles based on what creates the most balance in your mind, body, and heart. So it's just slightly different, and we'll talk about the different ways to do this in the episode, and I'll also link to some resources in the show notes at mindlove.com/slash. One, two, three. So today, three key things we will learn are how to use the Enneagram to help uncover things from your past, how to use your results for growth and getting to the root of your motivation, and how understanding the personality styles of friends, family, and coworkers can help improve your relationships. But before we get into all that, do you want to know an easy way to get to know yourself a little better each day? Sign up for The Morning Mind Love for daily inspirational emails right to your inbox. I get messages from people every single day about how the morning mind love is their favorite way to start the day or that the message that came through is exactly what they needed to hear. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Plus, you'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. You'll get a free guided binaural affirmation meditation designed to rewire your brain to your highest self. And you'll get one of my favorite tools, a really cool booklet of Powerless to help you gain clarity and live with intention and it's all completely free. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you want to make it really easy, just text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. And
0: now let's welcome Teresa McCloy to the show. Thank you so much. It is so great to be here and I can't wait to have this conversation.
1: So... Today we're talking about the Enneagram. I'm really excited about it because I have been hearing about it for quite a long time and it's something that just seems so up my alley. So the fact that it's taken me this long to actually do a test and get my results is crazy to me. But yeah, so we've spoken on the phone before. You gave me an entire assessment that took me a while to get through and I got my results back. So today we are going to be going through that as well as learning about the Enneagram at the same time. So Let's start for those who have no idea what we're talking about right now. What is
0: the Enneagram? Right. It's a big, scary word in this uh, personality profile area. But the Enneagram really is both a psychological and a spiritual system. So it gives us a knowledge and an understanding about kind of why do we do the things we do. So human behavior and what motivates us. And I think that's kind of a key thing with the Enneagram. So some behaviors are amazing, and they come from really authentic places, and others' behaviors, we'd really like to shift and change, and we adapted to them many times through our younger years or whatever. So the Enneagram really can be a tool for more transformational work than I believe some of the other tools that we do in this personality space are. So that's kind of a little bit. We can go into more of where it came from and all of that if you'd like to, but it just really invites us to growth and transformation.
1: I find that a lot of people who are interested in something like the Enneagram, like me, are also interested in all of the other ways to really get to know ourselves, like, yes. you know, the 16 personalities tests and astrology readings. Does this replace those? Can it exist side by side with an astrology reading? Like, How do these really blend together without completely dismissing another mode of understanding yourself?
0: Well, I believe that the Enneagram can really sit side by side with just about any type of personality or self-awareness work that we do. Now, remember, you're talking to an Enneagram practitioner, Enneagram coach, all of those things. So I'm always a little bit biased (laughs) into the tool for sure. And I wouldn't be honest if I wasn't, but because I can see the Enneagram in all of those things. But I think there are times that some tools are more useful than others in different seasons of our life and different places of our life. and Even what we're trying to get, grow in, I guess is a better word, or was it relationships? Is it work styles? Is it communication? All the things that these tools can do. But I do believe that the Enneagram, because it looks at that motivation piece, can really dive into the motivation and behavior piece and its psychological and spiritual That it really can encompass a lot of these tools and sit right beside them.
1: Yeah, I have to say, I've taken a lot of these types of tests and gotten a lot of readings over my life. And I don't think I've ever gotten one that I'm like, oh, well, that just renders all the other ones useless. (laughs) They tend to say a lot of the same things or maybe focus on different areas of my life. So I can totally see that. But you did mention that certain tools might work better or be more useful at different periods of your life. So, what would you say is the biggest benefit of the Enneagram? Like, when is that the most
0: beneficial? What does it really help us learn about ourselves or do? Gosh, that's a great question. And I think where I find it for a lot of people is it becomes a really useful tool when we're at that season of life that we're maybe at a crossroads, we've maybe gone through crisis, we're doing a lot of what I call deep reflective work. And you know, it's the question, why do I do what I do? What is driving me in this? And I find for a lot of people, and the Enneagram has been around, I mean, it's an ancient tool. It's been around a really long time. It's not like it's just new. It is resurfacing, I would say. And we really find with a lot of millennials, late thirties, early forties, that season, even late twenties, this tool really resonates. And I think it is because you're coming to some crossroads, right? You're coming some, what I often call the Enneagram looks at three lenses. Here's my nature, my gene pool. Here's my nurture, how I grew up, patterns of behaviors that I developed. And then I have my own free choices. And when we really get to that place in our life where we're making those free will choices, you're like, holy crap, maybe I need to know myself just a little bit better before I dive into some of these major voices or we've come to a major crisis and we're like, I got to do some really deep work. And I know that's right where you sit with the work that you do in all that you talk about. And so, yeah, I think that's a place where it's really helpful. So
1: what is your story of really deciding to make the Enneagram Such a huge part of your life. How did you find it? What made you think, okay, I need to facilitate this or teach other people about this?
0: Well, my story really comes from a place of a lot of spiritual work that I was doing. And I was actually introduced to it as kind of that kind of tool. And when I first saw it, I'll be honest to say, I was the personality junkie, if you want to call it that. And I'll share my type on the Enneagram for your listening audience that is already familiar with the tool. I'm a type three. So a type three is very driven in the performance and the excelling and can be seen as very competitive. What I like to describe is that as effective and efficient, we're going to see through the lens of how to get it done better, how to get it done. But we also have this shame piece and this approval need. So I was always looking at these kinds of tools. For can it affirm for me who I am, right? Can it give me that affirmation and approval? So when I came to the Enneagram, it really smacked me upside the head because it invited me to really deal with that fear of failure that the type three has. And I had to go back into my story and see where that had been a pattern for me. I often say when I'm speaking, I share with people, I've had 42 jobs. Well, what does that tell you about me? It tells me that, hey, if it's going to get hard and it's going to get tough or I'm going to fail at it, I ditch and die. Or I just really want to be successful at lots of different things. So either way, it's a motivation and a driver. Now, all of those came before the age of 45. So I'm almost 60 now. So the pattern has changed in the last 15 years. I've been working with the tool of the Enneagram for about eight or nine years. So it's just really helped me to notice things. And as I saw that, and I started to see these three centers of intelligence, and I think that was huge too. And we can talk about that. And as a coach, so I was a coach first, and I was using the Enneagram in my own life. And then I could see just how helpful it was for people that if they could build a solid foundation on knowing of self and knowing motivation, their business could grow, their relationships could grow they had more empathy for others. And so it just became a tool that as much as I really didn't want it to be kind of my signature thing, it's become something that is my signature thing. I'm actually on the international Enneagram board. I use it in my coaching and all the work that I do. I do speaking on the Enneagram. So as much as I kind of wanted to resist that, it has become something that I just can't not process the world through the lens of the Enneagram.
1: So often I will take some sort of self-awareness assessment, whatever form that is, and I love it. There's just something about something being able to nail down my personality. It's kind of like when you have a really good conversation with your, a friend and they just really listen to you and you feel heard and seen. It's like that only with an online assessment. <laughs> You're like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, the Enneagram really knows me. But then what often happens is then I just go about my life. And maybe it'll come up in conversation one time, but it doesn't necessarily help me make decisions or help me through transformation or healing. And so what we found out in my assessment is that I am mainly a type seven. So that's a head type. Mm -hmm. You can tell us more about that in a second. But what do I do with that information and where does that take me? And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the morning mind love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30 minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word morning to 33777. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website.
0: What do I do with that information and where does that take me? That's a great question. So knowing that you come from this IQ center, we call it the head type. So there's three centers of intelligence that we've been given, right? So we've been given this IQ center. So it's how we think and how we process. We've been given a heart center, EQ. We hear so much about that out in the world now. Emotional intelligence. And then we've been given what I many times call the GQ, that gut instinctual intelligence. So these three centers are firing on us all the time or not firing in us. So sometimes we've shut them down due to that nurturing space. So what your type seven tells you is that you process out of this head center. And underneath that is sometimes a fixation that comes from fear that comes from, and you would say, I'm not fearful. I dive into everything and we can talk about that, but it is a motivation for security or for a need for survival. Like I've learned how to survive through the lens of the type seven. So the seven, what it brings to the world is enthusiasm and joy. But some of the reason in their head and they're thinking all the time is to avoid maybe things that are painful. So what that tells you is, What's the invitation for me to sit with things that might be difficult or might be painful? So instead of it just being shelf help, okay, I'm a type seven, I can say that at a dinner party, where do I need to move to another center of intelligence? So the seven connects to the four and the one, we call it a harmony triad. And as you, Melissa, move to your four and really go, whoa, these are difficult things, but I know for me to have enthusiasm and joy for life and all of these things, I need to recognize what's difficult. And maybe I even need to move to my type one, which is brings goodness. And I need to look at good ways, ways that I can move through that. So now I'm moving full circle, I'm firing on all three centers. So we can ask those types of questions daily, we can ask them weekly, we can ask them quarterly. But they help give us some place to reflect on all three centers and not just living out of our type. I don't know if that makes sense, but, uh, yeah. or invites more questions. <laughs>
1: yeah. Everything you say is going to invite more questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there are a few different ways to actually read Enneagrams. You have a unique way where I took an online assessment first before I took the assessment that you sent me. And it gave me Mm -hmm. still, I got a type seven as my main, but then that one gave me a three and a nine as kind of like these sub personalities or whatever you might call them. Mm -hmm. And then yours though, you like to balance it out into three different centers of intelligence. And so it's the head, the body, and the heart. So tell me why you read that in that particular way. And let's get into a little bit more about what these centers of intelligence really
0: mean. Sure. So I prefer a model and it's just a preference of how I see a completeness and a wholeness in ourself. So some models of the Enneagram come from more of maybe a psychological or a diagnostic And so the first assessment that you take, I've never really heard the three, seven and nine connected. So that's a different one, but those may have been your three top scores and that I could see, but that's coming from more of a diagnostic model. So a lot of people out there that are hearing about the Enneagram, several, I mean, I'm sure a lot of your listeners that have heard the tool of the Enneagram have seen what we call the process model. And it just draws the lines a little bit differently. And I believe that it's a little bit incomplete and I don't mean to, it's useful, but uh, there's more than one model in the Enneagram. So I like using the model that gives us access is the word I like to use to all three centers of intelligence. So some of the models don't give you access to all three. They'll say you go here. And then when you're in stress, you go again to another head type. And then when you're in less stress, you go to a body type. And I'm like, but where's the heart? Like, I think everybody gets a heart, right? Yeah. <laughs> so where's the love, you know? So I just like a completeness of the harmony model. And you see a lot of Enneagram teachers teaching harmony model. But if you go Google it, you're going to see the lines drawn a little bit differently. And I can give a resource at the end that people can go to and download to see what the harmony model looks like if that's helpful. But the reason is is because I do want people to feel that they have access and I do believe that the completeness and the beauty of the enneagram is coming and knowing that I have access to all three of these centers. So there are times that for you you're naturally going to go to that type 7 headspace. That's going to be your first instinctual reaction, right? Is to process through your head. The head types are great or excuse me, the type seven is optimistic and spontaneous, multi-talented, many times they're entrepreneurial, imaginative, all of those things. So that's what they bring to the world. And it's a beautiful space. And they're bringing that enthusiasm for us. And those head centers, the type seven is your home. But then you can go over and access your heart centers. And our heart centers, if you want to dive into talking about the centers a little bit, The heart centers are really driven for a need of approval and affection. And so their narrative, I call it the false belief or the tape that we play in our head. For the heart centers, the tape is I'm not enough. For the head center, it's I don't have enough. So for the seven, a lot of times it's I don't have enough fun. I don't have enough experiences. And I don't know, does that resonate with you at all, Melissa, when we say I don't have enough experiences or enough fun?
1: A hundred percent. But it would resonate in a way of I've always been a seeker of those things. Like before Mm -hmm. I really found what I was passionate about, which was mind love, I would be the girl that was always going through Eventbrite or Facebook events. And I would just go to events that seemed weird and fun just because I felt like I was building up my character somehow by experiencing these things. It's like I needed to
0: understand what it was so I could have this full view of the world, if that makes sense. Oh, totally makes sense. And I hear that from so many sevens. I just want experiences. You know, I want all of it. You know, I say they want the buffet of life, right? I want to have seen and done and touched and until they find and you've found yours. <laughs> it so they're seekers. I mean, that's very that's a great word to describe how a seven approaches life. But then when you connect to your heart space of your four. When I use the harmony model, the seven connects to the four. The four is sensitive and artistic and analytical and compassionate and imaginative. They give us this creativity spot. And I would wonder for you, where do you see that show up in your life? That my creativity, where does that show up? Mm-hmm. hmm <laughs>
1: When I was younger, it really started with art. I loved drawing. I got really into poetry. I took a lot of different art classes. Then it went more to the digital space. So I was teaching myself Photoshop and things like that. But now I've found I feel creative in yoga flows. And it's interesting because I've realized in the last few years that I've been disconnected with my body for a really long time. And I think that stemmed from in high school when I was raped, it ended up becoming an eating disorder. And so it was always like me against my body rather than me integrated with my body. And what I was going to ask is that in this packet, I've noticed that it shows my centers of intelligence head is the top heart is the second and the totals are in the nineties, whereas my (laughs) gut or body is down to 68. Does that have anything to do with that?
0: Oh, absolutely. My friend. (laughs) So that's interesting. And I knew a little bit of your backstory and I find, especially for people that have had trauma in their body, their body space will be the most disconnected or the, sometimes the language we use in Enneagram is dismissed. So like, I'm just going to shut down that center of intelligence and I'm going to dismiss it. Or sometimes we can see it go on hyperdrive, like I've got to control it. Because the body center, which this might be interesting for your listeners, is all about power and control. And the fixation is anger and guilt. And so then that false belief in the body center is, I've had enough. Like, I'm done. I've had enough. So for you, some of that, and it's your percentile isn't, like I've seen people the scores that she's referring to on these profiles is a percentile score. And I've seen people have like a one or something like nothing exists there or the heart space. They've had a one like, so you can dismiss any center of self. And that's why I love the harmony model of the Enneagram is because knowing that, and you just said it, Melissa, like, I know I've been dismissing my body. And for you, it comes through the type one. Well, the type one is about bringing goodness. So kind of your words are enthusiasm, creativity, and goodness. How can I help the world be a better place? (laughs) Mm. How can I be good? And you're opening that up through the work that you're now doing and through what you're bringing through the world, through speaking and podcasting and all the work you're doing with things, you're opening that back up because you're telling your story and you're sharing, right? And it's not having the control over you anymore. So you're opening that back up. But that's really good awareness on your part of yes, that's something I always work through with clients is so it's not like we're trying to raise your scores. That's not the point. The point is to invite you to that invitation of what am I noticing in my body? or in my heart, or in my head. For me, my shutdown place was my head. Much the same experience that you've had in your life. I had not as traumatic, but it's always traumatic, no matter what it is. So I shut down my six, which is my head space, because the head is loyalty and faithfulness. I'm a type three. So my harmony is 369. Well, trust was broken for me. So I just decided that Nobody is loyal and faithful, right? So I'm going to be type three and I'm going to get it done myself. Thank you very much. And I'm not going to trust people. And so that's been my invitation and my work to do. And that's where the Enneagram has helped. You know, you asked me my story. That's one of the things that I discovered through the tool Enneagram is how impactful that event was in my life and how I didn't need to let that define that part of my life anymore. And I got to carry that forward and create a new story. And I could do it by learning that people are loyal and faithful, and that I can have trust. And so that's why I love the tool too, is because it can bring story forward for us. And we can go back and go, where did I shut that down at? And you know, it's not counseling. It's just It's bringing for story forward and making new story. We get to decide. We have the free will and the choice now as adults in different seasons of our life to go, nature gave me this. I was nurtured in this and I had some either amazing things or some really horrible things happen to me. But now I free will to choose how I carry that forward.
1: Right. And I can see that because it's really one thing to have something in theory. And it's another thing to have like this actual score written down that is a reflection of all of these different practical areas of your life. For example, I know a lot of people that have sexual abuse in their past do somehow have an eating disorder later on in life. Two things that seem like they are completely disconnected. But when you have something like a sexual abuse trauma, oftentimes you do shut down your body first in that Mm. moment and then it carries throughout your life. And so for me, then kind of having that maybe power or control with bulimia over my body, maybe never really being happy with my body, maybe feeling like it was against me sometimes. Like there's a lot of different reasons that a therapist can get into from for why a lot of those (laughs) times it spawns into an eating disorder. But what's interesting to me is it's one thing to really just see that and say, oh, yes, I've had both of those things. Makes sense. It's another thing when you realize that this entire test took me a while to complete and none of the questions had anything to do with being abused or anything to do with really eating. There are all these different ways that I interact with my body or dismiss my body, something that it's been able to pick up. And I didn't even catch on like oh my gosh, this is trying to see if I (laughs) am in touch with my body or not. Like It's not obvious like that. And so it highlights different areas of my life that might be affected that aren't so obvious as like this thing that I already knew about myself. And so then I look at it and I'm like, why is this score so low? If I hadn't already done that inner work, that probably would have opened it up for me to see, oh wow, that one thing back when I was 15 affected the rest of my life in this way. And it's Affecting the way I work, how I interact with people, and whatever that might be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity.
0: that insight is so helpful. I know to those that are listening of, wow, I could maybe recognize And it was the same experience for me. I could recognize a place where I shut this down and it could be confirmed or affirmed for me. So it's interesting too, that in your body space, it is this type one. And so when you talk about even the eating disorder, part of that, the description that I give for the one is one seat, Perfection and strive to improve themselves and everyone else around them. So it is a control, right? Controlling your eating in whatever way you choose to do that is a control piece. And those body spaces are also connected to the emotion of anger and power. And so, you know, that anger that's inside from what you've experienced and what's happened, and then how you control it. So And we have the same thing in other centers, you know, we're talking a lot about the body center. But I see the same thing to the heart center. If something has happened, some people will choose that the heart center is what they shut down from. Some people will choose the head center. So and it could be the same experience even, but they shut down a different center because no two experiences are exactly alike. I mean, it's not always about trauma, people don't always have traumatic events. But yet, Many times it connects back to part of our story somewhere. So that's where I see the tool of the Enneagram being an invitation to access your whole self again and to invite you to do some of that work and carry some of those things forward, whether it's through spiritual practices, whether it's through body experiences, whether it's through psychological work or counseling or things that you still need to do with therapists and all of that. It really can be an invitation to transformation.
1: Another way that it goes even deeper that I'm noticing now is, so you had mentioned it briefly before of the difference between your authentic score and an adaptive score. So authentic is what you were born with and adaptive is what you've learned over time. And so it's interesting when I look at my score, the authentic in the body is higher than the adaptive, which shows that yes, a life Mm -hmm. event did deeply affect. And so you can even look at your scores in that way. And it's like, If you don't know why you've cut off from your body and it's like, oh, I wasn't born this way. I learned this. What was that thing that I learned? Or maybe this is innate in me or whatever that insight is. And so I'm curious, though, with these authentic versus adaptive, if I take this test again in 10 years, can I get a completely different score? Because maybe I've done 10 more
0: years of transformation in whatever way I choose to do that. That's a great question. I get asked that quite a bit. I don't know that, you know, the numbers, of course, are not going to be exactly the same. And here's why. On any given day, when you sit down to do any assessment, I don't care what it is, and I believe that the assessment that I use, I did not create it. It's created by Dr. Jerry Wagner out of Loyola University. And it's one of the few Enneagram online or whatever you want to call it, you know, assessments, personality things that is approved by the Psychological Board of Review. So it's very accurate in what it does. But if you took this even a week from now, Melissa, you might get different numbers around different places. I'm pretty positive that your seven would still come back as your home type. And once we discover kind of your home type, then this is your harmony. So I don't think the harmony would change at all. Maybe some of your authentic and adaptive numbers might change just because maybe that day you were a little more ramped up about something. So two or three percents might change one way or the other. Because even when I'm looking at your scores, your authentic and your adaptive, say, in your heart space, they're a little less than five points away from each other. So they're pretty even. Like I said, I can look at your scores and know that you've done a lot of self-awareness work because I see many, many scores that have some pretty far apart numbers, people that are living very much in the adaptive side of who they are. So you have an assessment pack where I actually give some language back when I give back results to people of what are some words that describe adaptive behaviors. And what are some words that describe authentic behaviors for your three centers of intelligence? Some people were not even able to recognize or give language to what that means. That's another thing I love about the Enneagram. It helps give us some common language. If you and someone that you're in a relationship with or you're married to or whatever, or your adult children, whatever it might be, your coworkers, they've also done Enneagram and you can have some common language. It can really help you be empathetic and communicate better with one another in those ways.
1: I can totally see that because there are times in life, especially when I was younger, where there's somebody being a certain way and it might just be completely authentic to them, But it's so easy to be like, well, why are you being this way or or how do you not see where I'm coming from? And then you just start to Mm -hmm. understand the older you get and the more you become self-aware that like, you know, people have natural instincts. People have come from different places. People might just have a different personality profile. And so instead of seeing the differences, what I love to do is really get to know them so well that it almost gives me like this psychic insight into if I were that person, for example, my mom and I are so different in so many ways, but there's certain times where like, if I'm trying to organize my home or I'm like kind of disorganized or chaotic, I just tap into her and I'm like, well, what would my mom do? And understanding that insight almost balances out my personality more. So the more you get to know, Mm -hmm. like the different ways that people can be in this world, And the more you actually validate them, the more you are able to tap into that and use it for your own personal uses (laughs) when it's necessary. Exactly. It reminds me of uh, Napoleon Hill from Think and Grow Rich. He talks about having his invisible council, And this book was written a long time ago, but he had like Abe Lincoln and like all these like Mm -hmm. Benjamin Franklin on his invisible council, And all he did was really research these great people of the universe figure out their personality so that when he was faced with a tough decision, he could be like, well, what would honest Dave do, (laughs) you know, and like, yeah, exactly the world that way.
0: And, and, you know, that's the beauty of the Enneagram too, in, in your three centers. So I have a little acronym that I use called now. So, so that you access all three of these, because you almost have your own little Mastermind that's a word that's out there right now, or you know you have your own little counsel within you, so that' acronym now is notice the reaction you know something's happened, and you notice that you shift and you change, like I'm angry about that or I feel shame around that, or I'm overthinking this whatever happened throughout your day, it just threw me into this space, so notice your reaction, that's the now, and then open yourself to. All three centers. So you're going to open with the O. So you as a seven might naturally notice a reaction out of your seven, either authentic or adaptive. And then you might say, but how would my one, how would my body react to this? What's my body telling me right now? Do I need to be more organized? You were talking about your home and setting things up. Like, how would I organize this? How would I, you know, is there something that I need to be honest about here that's out of the one, whatever that is? And then you go to your heart space. So you're checking in with all three centers, and then the W is give a whole self-response. So now, present right now to this moment, I notice, I open, and I give a whole self-response, not just a response out of my type. And I've checked in with all three places, and now I can respond more authentically because I'm head, heart, gut, connection, and I've checked in with all of those. But as you said earlier about shutting down the body or shutting down the head or the heart, we have to open all those up first, right? Before we can even check in with them. So we have to call everybody to the table and learn how to live in all three of those places. And now we can go back and we can, now we can go back and check in with them all.
1: What else I find interesting is understanding that my core fears or my narrative might be that I won't have enough. That rings so true. Even when I was a little kid, it's even more interesting because I think I've always been that way. Like we'd be in a group situation and all of a sudden we're all going to have our, like grab a cookie or whatever. And I just had to make sure I had mine or (laughs) I think, and part Mm -hmm. of it was partially only child, Partially got stepbrothers when I was like five. And so all of a sudden there's these kids that I have to share with that I was not used to it. But then even moving forward in life, having bulimia, my anxiety around food and like getting my helping food and making sure I -hmm. could hoard enough food for whatever. My addiction, my impulsion combined with like the only childness. It's just so interesting that that's always been a narrative to the point that different friends at different times... (laughs) saw me as stingy or not generous, which in one hand is total opposite of me. If I know I have enough, I want to give to everybody. When I feel abundant, I constantly give. But the problem is, is that it was a lot of work for me to start to feel abundant. I've only recently started feeling abundant, even if at different times in my life I was. So understanding that, though, has been able to help me in that there's certain times that I have an irrational reaction, like maybe a little bit of anxiety over something like my husband eating my leftovers, for example. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's like, well, When you have a whole body reaction where you feel like this is a big deal, it's hard to talk yourself down from that. But understanding that, hey, this is just a core fear of mine that I'm not going to have enough. It doesn't mean that it has to be true or I have to identify with it. This is the work that needs to be done can be really helpful in not identifying with certain feelings that I've learned over time, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it is, I say, not being stuck in type. Like, I don't need to stay stuck here. And I don't need to stay in the sphere. And if anybody is in your listening audience that already knows they're seven, you're doing an amazing job of giving us context to what a seven walks through in life. Every type has coping behaviors. The type seven really does have one of the most indulgent personalities. And so they can be the most triggered to go to kind of these addictive type of behaviors that are out there on the edge is what I call them. We all have our edge that we go to. My type does it through, I've got to be successful. I've got to be the performer. I've got to do the best. And so I get way out on my edge about fear of failure that I haven't done enough. So the language is just a little bit different, right? In a heart type than it is a head type. I haven't done enough, you're afraid you won't have enough. So they're just a little bit different but yet they are the drive underneath why we do what we do. So you had to have a cookie, you might have even taken two because what if there's not enough? I have a really good friend who's a 7 that says, you know, my thought pattern she had a pretty traumatic childhood and she often says, my thought pattern was there won't be enough for me. There's enough for everybody else, but there won't be enough for me. So I hear that a lot from the head types, especially the seven of that. So you did a great job of describing, but we don't have to stay there. We can rationally then notice it, be aware of it, and move through it.
1: I'm really glad you made that distinction that we don't have to stay there because I find that a lot of people will take some sort of assessment or realize something about Mm. themselves. (laughs) And then it just becomes this thing that everybody needs to work around because this is who I am. And one example of this is, so since realizing I am an empath, it's really changed my life because it explains a lot of different things. And I'm able to, again, it's one of those things where I will notice a strong feeling in my body. And now I have the tools to say, is this even mine? Or did I take this on from somebody else? Or what else is going on? Like understanding I have strong feelings and they don't, always need to have the loudest voice in the room. But when I learned that, I joined a bunch of Facebook groups with empaths. And so I get them in my feed. And the amount of times I'm like, I see people using this as a way to sink further into the discomfort (laughs) of it. Like, Mm -hmm. this person did this. How do you tell your husband not to do this because I'm an empath and all this stuff. And it's just like, that is not helping you or anybody else in your life. It's just making you actually a little bit more (laughs) self-indulgent, bringing it back to that. So I like that there's actually a way to move forward with that.
0: Yeah. And Melissa, I agree. I'm the same way about the Enneagram. So I think when we really learn to love a tool or love something that we discover, then we get a little bit protective of it. And I'm a little bit the same way about the Enneagram. I don't want people to just go, oh, I know my type and now I can talk about it at a dinner party because everybody else is doing it. Or there's a thousand memes out there that say, well, this is how a three does and this is what a four does because it's so much more than that. And so really one of my deep passions is to see people use the Enneagram for growth and transformation and to change out of coping behaviors to change out of being stuck in type, and really begin to grow in their awareness of self into head, heart, gut experiences, not just stuck in their type, if it's just to discover your type, so you can use that kind of, well, you know, I'm a three, so you just have to put up with me the way I am. That's not helpful. (laughs) It's not growth. And That's a misuse of these tools. That's like any of our personality awareness. You know, we say, well, that's just who I am. You'll have to live with me. My husband's a nine. And so one of the most helpful things for us has been for us to realize who we are, what our strengths are, what our weaknesses are, and that we have some common language. It's been so helpful in our marriage, in the growth of our marriage and some very difficult things that we have walked through. Our son struggled with addiction and we actually lost him to an overdose two and a half years ago and he was 30 years old and one of the most difficult times in our life. And I don't know that we would have survived that in our marriage, those 10 years and then losing him and the grief process that we still go through if we didn't have tools to know each other better through. So that's where these types of things can really be so, so very helpful.
1: I'm so sorry to hear about that. Sending you just love right now with that one. And it does does make a lot of sense that when we're in trauma, when we're in pain, a lot of times those parts of our personalities are so amplified. And so if you have two Mm -hmm. different ways of dealing with something like that, where maybe you go inward, he goes outward or he, whatever, and you don't, have a means to understand somebody else's reaction, it can make it seem like they're not feeling what you're feeling or that you are the one that's having to go through all the pain or, or whatever it is, but yes. understanding that that's somebody else's coping mechanism or that's what happens when they are in grief or that's what happens when they're trying to move through it, whatever it might be, can be really, really helpful.
0: So that makes a lot of sense. It does, because the type nine is a very away type. So each of the types have a different energy. So a nine is a very away type. And so they're going to withdraw inward. Whereas a three is a very outward type, much more verbal processor, those types of things. If I hadn't known that when we've walked through these last few years, which has been very difficult. Yeah, I could have taken that on in such a different way. What I love again about the harmony model that we've talked about is that you're actually given each of the three energies. So for you, Melissa, your seven is very forward. Sometimes some Enneagrams call it against. So the stance, the energy that has is very forward. But then your four, that creative side, that four heart center is your away or withdrawing side. And then your one is your toward or kind of more that relational, that goodness is for the sake of others. And so you have all three energies that you can access through the Enneagram.
1: It's like having my own personal little invisible counsel it to is. move through. <laughs> and so say how do you use this in a really practical way towards your goals? Like right now, I've created this podcast, I've been opening up more programs, whatever. How does it speak to what I'm gonna do next? Does it help me decide? Does it help me understand what I'm gonna need more? Like, how would you use that when you're coaching someone in a forward-moving process, if that makes sense?
0: Sure. No, it's a great question. That could be a whole other podcast, but we'll try (laughs) to answer it as quickly as we can. But for example, if somebody, because I do this work, I mean, it's part of what I do in the real life process is let's get to know ourselves well, then let's put it into practical applications. I love to work in 90-day processes, help people look at their big picture goals, and then let's break it down. And so some of it is, first of all, knowing your energy level, where do you naturally come from? So as a seven, you're never at a shortage for ideas, right? (laughs) You, You just naturally, like, what's the next program I can start? What's the next thing I could do? Where could I speak at next? I mean, you're always in seven mode. It's very forward moving. So knowing that about yourself, it is maybe putting some boundaries around, well, when I come up with a new idea, I need to run it through these parameters the parameter of time, the parameter of energy. So you start to ask yourself some good questions. How am I going to access my one which gives me some good structure and systems and what systems and structures do I need to put around this goal? What boundaries do I need here? How am I going to access my creativity? And so you start to flush it out through all three centers again when you're working on a goal or a project you can ask yourself good questions from all of those places. And I do a lot of those resources and develop a lot of those out for clients. But I'm just always using it to say, where do I need to speed up? Where do I need to slow down? Where am I overusing that particular energy that I'm getting? So forward motion, but some types are naturally in forward motion. So they need somebody to ask them questions out of, For me, I'm a forward moving three, just like you're a forward moving seven. So, how do I need to slow down? Do I take a day off? Do I ever find things that are joyful and restful that aren't work related? That was a huge one for me. I actually am, I often call myself a workaholic. That was part of my story. I used work to avoid pain of what our family was even walking in. And so, I have to learn to take a good day off. So, I want to coach the whole person, not just. That's why I call it real life process. It's your whole real life. It's not just about how successful you can be. So, yeah, that's some of the ways that I use it. There's many, many others, but that's just a few.
1: Well, the final question I want to know, because it does come up a lot, is using the Enneagram for healing. So knowing maybe some of the things I've been through, can it speak to how I can best heal from some of the trauma that I've gone through, or if somebody's really struggling with something, and then they find out their enneagram, how does that speak to how they unpack that or
0: move forward from trauma? I do think it. You know, there are enneagram practitioners who specifically work in trauma and help people work through trauma. I wouldn't say that's my specialty. And I don't ever want to speak that it is even though I've had a lot of trauma in my life. I work more in the Enneagram from a business perspective and from a whole self living perspective. But it can be helpful in those places. And I think some of it is there's a lot of Enneagram practitioners that work in somatic work, which is body work. And really that invitation to being in touch with your body if the trauma has come through that center. So there are those types of people that really have specific work that they use the tool of the Enneagram to do that healing work. I know a lot of counselors that use it to use it in that way of all three of these centers. Most times, if you're working with a good Enneagram practitioner, not one that's just putting content out there so that you can find your type. But a really good practitioner, they're going to talk about all three of these centers of intelligence, and they're going to invite you to do work in all those places. And it may be work that's in one area of trauma. So I see it used a lot in healing, even in just what you've spoke about, Melissa, even in someone for the first time. And that was really my experience, recognizing that there was trauma, (laughs) like, oh, gosh, I didn't even know that was there. Like that's how disconnected I was from the trauma of sexual abuse that I had had. I just didn't even recognize it. I had dismissed it so much because I was like nine or 10 years old. But when I really got to looking at the Enneagram, it helped me carry that story forward so that I could process it as an adult (laughs) and what was true, what wasn't, all the things that we have to work through. But I don't know that I would ever even have carried it forward had I not had the tool and not had a tool to work through with it. It just didn't come up. So yes, it can be so much used in healing, but you want to make sure. I mean, recommendation I would give is don't just do it through reading books. Really get with someone that can walk it with you.
1: So for listeners who are interested in understanding more about their own Enneagram profile and possibly Diving into it
0: with you, where is the best place for listeners to connect with you online? Oh, thank you for asking. I appreciate that. The best way is just to go to my website at teresamccloy.com, T E R E S A M C C L O Y.com, and then click on the Work With Me tab. And under the Work With Me tab, if you scroll to the bottom, you'll see a place if you want to do an online profile. You can do that. I also have some other things that are more business related, but the online profile, if they're just really wanting to work with the tool, they can take a profile and then we have some other things from there. If they want to process that through uh, myself or the other coach that I have works with me, they can do that as well. They'll get the exact same profile that you've been talking about. (laughs) So and that you've been seeing, and it just gives you results back and lets you process with that. And then we have some other things that we send to you as well along the way. But yeah, that could be kind of a step one introduction. If they go to my website and they click on the podcast, because I have a podcast, The Enneagram in Your Real Life. And if they click on that, there is a place that they can actually download a free typing guide that gives them all nine of the types, the description of all nine types. They're authentic and adaptive. There's no scoring or anything with that, but it's a reference sheet PDF that people can read through.
1: All of the links from this episode will be at mindlove.com slash one two three. Within those links, I'll be linking to Teresa McCloy's website, the official Enneagram test that she uses to get the Harmony Triad model of the Enneagram, as well as another test that I took online that I thought really explained the Enneagram in detail in ways that I could apply it to my life. So your challenge this week is to take one of these tests and see what you uncover about your motivation style and what your style typically struggles with and excels with, and then try to figure out how you can use this information as you're working towards your goals. So for me, one thing it's spoken to is understanding what types of people I need to balance me out. For example, it could be really helpful for me to partner with or hire an assistant who's a 5 because they're a little less enthusiastic and a little more objective and discerning. So figure that out for yourself. Share your results on Instagram and tag me at MindLoveMelissa so I can see who's all in this community. And as you get these results it can be really fun to compare your styles with friends. So I have a women's group full of people who have already taken their Enneagram assessments. So it's just funny now that I actually understand and know my personality style. We've been comparing And I notice more and more people saying, well, I'm a five on the Enneagram or I'm a seven on the Enneagram. And Now I get what they're talking about. So share this episode, share a link with your friends and compare and contrast results. It's fun. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week.